0: What is up, Gorilla Social Work fans? Welcome to today's episode. Sorry for the late post on this one. Um, Obviously got busy with the holidays and whatnot. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas and hope you guys have a Happy New Year. Oh, wait. Am I supposed to say that? I guess I'm supposed to say Happy Holidays, right? Happy Hanukkah or or Happy Apolitical Federal Day Off. How's that sound? (laughs) Anyway, uh, we're going back to our Villains to Victory series. Uh, This is with one of our former clients. I should say Jeff's former client, Derek. Uh, We really like these episodes. These are a good demonstration of the progress that our clients have made. And uh, good for the general public to listen to, former clients or other clients to listen to. And also former clients to listen to just so they can see the progress that these guys have made and where they're at now. Uh, Please share with your family and friends. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating and without any further delay here is our villains to victory episode with derek hope you enjoy So, all right. So today's a little different. We're back to the villains to victory, dude. How many episodes? How many villains to victories do we have? I think this is number four. Number four? Yeah. I gotta I gotta do better at labeling, like, cause you know how Rogan does his. He has like uh, his normal podcast, and then he'll say he'll have his uh, his. Uh, MMA podcast number we just I mean everything's just that next oh time, yeah so. right yeah because now we have like ten different categories we have we do. like normal penitentiary, podcasts, pundits. penitentiary pundits shoddies yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was an invention so so yeah do, did uh, did you want to introduce our guest
1: today yeah absolutely so uh, one of my one of my favorite clients I'm not gonna say that <laughs> look at that yeah his name's his name's Derek he's sitting here with us today and um, I I worked with him he uh finished of the program September of 2018 and uh, kind of the idea of this villains to victory if this is the first one you've heard is we, we think it's good for the general public to and and also clients that are listening in to get it kind of a general like a feel for success stories so the Derek say hello yeah. Hello, people. <laughs>
0: How's it going? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess a good place to start, man, is um, you know. And this, usually, people um, kind of want to know about this. Is is I guess how how did your how did your life become involved in the criminal justice system? Like that's, that's something that we because I think there's there's two parts to this. We have two audiences right. that primarily pay attention to this. I think general public listen to this, and it's good for them to hear people who have gone through the system and come out successful on the other end because right. there's a narrative that goes on that you know once you come into the system you're screwed you're, you're bound wow. for hell and you're never going to get out of it um, and then there's the other end of that which is you know what we see a lot often is a lot of our clients are actually really successful right. the other audience is new clients are coming into this system and they they look at this as such an uphill battle mm. that they they tend to kind of give up over time and so hearing kind of the success stories over that period of time it is really helpful. So um, maybe we could just start by a little bit about yeah how you came involved in the criminal justice system. We could talk a little bit about your offense and then we can kind of take it from there. Okay, yeah, so when I
2: was, uh, I believe I was 18, um, I was just fresh out of high school and I was dating a, a girl that was still in high school and um, we were dating for a little bit and we ended up, you know, kids do dumb things and they go out late at night and find places to hook up. And we ended up, you know, hanging out at a church and uh, ended up sleeping together. And eventually the police pulled up and they got me out of the car. And at that time I was like, I I knew something was going down. I knew that I was probably going to get in a lot of trouble, but I accepted it for what it was. And ended up going to jail, and it was a long, about a year and a half before I was actually convicted, and my charges were pretty extreme as far as uh, I had a few felony charges, but um, I got convicted of uh, two misdemeanors, Mm -hmm. and I was required by the state to uh, attend a sex offense class and uh, therapy for the remainder of my probation, and so that's how I came here, and the, the battle of it, like you had said, was coming into this new environment, and I am I was just fresh out of high school, the only conviction that I ever had, you know, in my whole life, and I was fresh out of high school, and I ended up not knowing where my life was going, I was lost, and I come in, and my head's down, and I compared myself to everyone else, my charge wasn't, I, didn't, I felt like my charge wasn't as bad as anyone's, but... Throughout time, going through this curriculum and this program, I learned that everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And so my upbringing was, I had my head down and I wasn't,
1: I compared myself to everyone else and that that wasn't the case, but... Um, can you talk a little more about that actually? As comparing yourself to other people, kinda of your mindset at the time. Like like kinda of like the, the stuff that you were into and So yeah, yeah, of course. Uh
2: we were when I came here and I was on probation I still felt reckless. Felt like I could live my life without any consequences. So I while being on probation, I was still doing drugs and doing things that I shouldn't have been doing and I actually had um, a lot of trouble with being real to myself, and it was with a bunch of different women to ease the pain. And The, the problem was that um, I really, really had no guidance, and I had no home training of, you know, there's consequences when it comes to these things. But my. I'm
0: Well, I think likely, like like if you're... I mean, kind of what I'm hearing is, especially like in high school, because you said this was when you were 18, right? Yes. And, I don't know, I, I mean, I don't know how much high school has changed, because how old are you now? 24. Okay, so I'm 38, so I'm quite a bit older than you, but I just remember high school for me, and Jeff, you went to my high school, so we ought to know Ogden High, shout out to Ogden <laughs> Tigers. <laughs> I shouldn't say shootout to Ogden Tigers, because there's probably guns going off in there right now, but <laughs> dude, did, I, did I, I, I swear I made the most fatal mistake the other day. Um, side sidebar. But I was driving by that high school. Where did you, you go to high school? Uh, da Vinci Academy. Okay. I was going by Ogden High School and I saw a damn a playground there, right? And and in my mind, I don't know why I'm such an idiot. I'm like, dude, why the hell? Why the hell would they build a playground for high school kids? <laughs> and then I then and then I think I was with our polygrapher, and he's all, that's for
1: the parents that's who are right. going to school, you idiot. And I was like, oh yeah. It's often. Like 17-year-olds are just into monkey bars now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But
0: but I think that goes to show that um, I think people are realizing that kids are a little bit more sexualized these days. Yes. And then also on top of that, like, man, as I was a kid growing up in high school, there's a ton of pressure on me, like, as, as a male. Males are weird, though, because we, we get some slack compared to, like, females. Yeah. Guys, there's, like, status. I get reinforcement and status by the more girls I hook up with. Right? Right, so guys are even inclined to not just hook up, a lie about it. That's what I was doing most of the time. I was a total nerd, but, but that's that's kind of what it is. And girls, on the other hand, it's like the total opposite. Like you want to keep your number low of how many guys you've hooked up with, and by God, if you're, it, it, rumors spread like wildfire. So, did, when you were saying that you found like your identity with hooking up with, you know, a lot of girls,
2: did that have a lot to do with it at the time? Yeah, I, pleasure for pain, mm-hmm. you know, and. and Because I was so hurt and damaged as a person, just from my background in my life, I felt like the only way I could feel whole was to sleep with women. Mm -hmm. And eventually those numbers kept rising you know Mm -hmm. and and eventually it came to an an end Mm -hmm. because as soon as those numbers stopped started rising i wanted to do different things and i would find any way to do it my mom would let me do it in the house so where did i go to do it in my car Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how everything happened was you know sleeping you get brownie points from your boys you know you tell how many right. girls you sleep with oh i slept with this girl it's, that is sort of, yeah like mm-hmm. you know you're going to it's kind of like a misguided
0: self esteem almost yes. like a, as a guy as a male i think that um and, and this is I, I think for any anybody who's listening to this as a male like yeah you do get status but it's like false status almost oh, yeah. because because and the risk here i mean um in this case and was the church was that just like uh, seclusion. Yeah, it was yes. Yeah, sec- okay. It was dark. No one was there. It was yeah. Midnight. You know. Yeah. Space. Yeah. What could happen? Right. 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 So. So. But. But also, I think like yeah, it, it sounded like over time, as your number was rising, and this was kind of your source of of self esteem in yeah. a lot of ways and status. Like you were taking additional risks to pull this off. Like hookups became yeah. ever more. Not. Not that you were. I mean, hooking up behind the dumpster or anything. Or I don't know. Maybe you were. <laughs> 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 but, but at the very least, at the very least, like the, the your your a, a, your behaviors
2: to pull this off had to become more risky. Yeah. Cause you had little, little options. Like I said, no guidance. I my parents wouldn't let me do it in the house. They wouldn't let me really do it anywhere. So mm-hmm. I was kind of showing out for the boys, showing out for myself. And um, as the numbers r- rose and. Um, figured that this was about to come to an end I look at my numbers now to this day and I compared to you know my significant other and I said god I'm I'm sick I'm sick there's a (laughs) problem here you know and and actually I look back at that and I don't regret those numbers and I don't regret anything that brought me here today because it made me who I am Um, and that's kind of my whole motive of being here today is to let people know that there's always going to be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow you just got to find it
1: first you know and it takes time so you, so you, you you don't necessarily regret those those hookups cuz you know maybe it's part of who you are today but looking back on it you feel like your behaviors when you when you say sick like what do you mean If I could go back in time, I wouldn't have known what I know now. I wouldn't have done what I did. And I think it's
2: degrading as a man who is, you know, with someone who doesn't have a high number or as a man showing out for and being someone I'm not. Because deep down, that's that's not who I was. All these girls came in a matter of one year. And if we're talking number, we're talking high double digits. So it, it was never like, oh, throughout the years. It was in one year, and that was about the time I got my charge. And everything stopped, and then it was a downhill battle, but now I look back at it, and I see that, you know what, it's who I am. It's a part of me, and I can relate. I can, my, you know, baby that's coming into my life now, I can Advising if it's a boy, you young know, girl, hoping for a boy. If it, if I can advise them not to, you know, do what I did and learn from my
1: lessons because I never had that. What would you explain to you? Let let let's say that you've got a son on the way. Congrats officially, by the way. Yeah. Uh, if if it does end up being a boy, what do you think the 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 young man needs to, needs to hear? Like what what would you what would you have needed to hear? that would have set you straight, that maybe you could pass along to your son, if that's what it is? So, honestly, I grew up with not much. I, it was a family
2: aid, living off one income. Um, my house was terrible. My, my food was terrible. Uh, everything that I... I didn't really get the best upcoming. And so, the kind of how I was telling you earlier, um, the the way I live my life now... Learning from those mistakes, how I would tell my, if it's a boy, I would tell him everything that I went through and give him things that I would want for myself that I didn't have, but not enough, because to a point, I want him to grow and, you know, be successful and understand that there are consequences, because my life was pretty hard after I got charged and convicted, It, it was five years before I actually became a, me- a real man. You know what I'm saying? And so I would advise my son of everything that I did and give him the best life that I can and tell him just, you know, accidents happen. If you're going to have, be with women, have sex with women, I don't want you doing it in my house. Don't let me catch you, but if you do, I just want you to be safe. I never got to talk growing up. I never knew what sex was. I, I had to figure it out on my own. I didn't even know what a condom was. And I would provide all these things that I didn't have for my kids so he would protect himself and be safe and not end up in the position I was in.
0: So in a lot of ways, like it sounds like, I mean... You look back in this and say say it makes you sick, I mean, and you don't regret it because it sounds like this intervention that happened in your life wouldn't have came along unless yeah. you'd gotten caught about yeah. this, right? And, and you feel like you're a better person now. But looking back on that, I, I think you can say your value system is much different now. And you look at those behaviors, and yeah. those are a, a crazy violation of your value system. Like you wouldn't dream of doing those things now.
2: Yeah, yeah. and I tell you what, if, you know, Those things, I I tell Jeff this all the time, if those things wouldn't have happened, something worse would have happened. Mm -hmm. You feel like you were headed that direction? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, this is, it was a major setback in my life, but I honestly say it was the best thing that could have happened, because
1: I don't think I'd be here today. I don't think I'd be alive. Yeah, man, I want to circle back to something you said before I lose it out of my head. You, you were talking about how yeah, when you had those <laughs> when you had those high numbers uh, that you you didn't feel like that was truly you. You were doing it to show out for your to your friends and everything, yes. and like that's so consistent with what I've learned about the type of man that you are. And when you first came into treatment, um, you were big into the hip-hop scene. Right. And you're a performer. You were going and performing. Right. And pretty good, man. I got to admit, you know, you've you've got some ability. and But there was like a lifestyle sort of attached to that. Yes. And you, I I remember, you were trying to kind of do... Uh, like viral videos types, of trying to kind of get like a social media presence, yeah. like like your like your own like hype man type thing. <laughs> and yeah. the, the more I got to know you, I was like, huh, oh, that's not Derek. No. De- Derek's like this good, genuine dude. He's not like, I mean, you've got the ability mm. to like play that lifestyle or to like front like that to you, but it's not, man. And uh, getting to know your true character uh, was probably one of the more meaningful. Uh, parts of uh, the the treatment that that we did together. So I I think
2: I came out of treatment realizing that, you're right, it was a character. And while being in treatment and trying to live this lifestyle, you know, I couldn't afford real jewelry, so I got fake jewelry. (laughs) I couldn't like, I didn't really have money like that, so any type of money I get, I'd always, you know, show out on social media, raise my followers. I, I was trying to be this person that everyone wanted to see but not who I wanted to be so it came in conflict with the man I knew I was going to be and the man that I was trying to be and that's why they have you know pseudo names stage names that's kind Mm -hmm. of why you know came up with those types of names and you know that life no matter how successful you get let's say I ended up you know becoming a Famous rapper, or whatever these people call him nowadays. Uh, a hip hop artist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a hip hop artist. <laughs> um, I would be. Probably a lot of probation violations. Um, you know, there's always drugs in it. You know, and anything that you can get on, you gotta play the image. You gotta do things that are out of your comfort zone. So there would be a lot, lot of women, lots of drugs, guns, money. I mean, nowadays, famous musicians uh, in the hip hop industry, they get killed. There's been about 20 famous. Yeah, Hip hop musicians this year that have gotten murdered. Dang!
0: And so I thought it was just like Tupac and Biggie. Yeah, and me all. too, man. <laughs> I'm not in the loop. <laughs> Obviously, right. yeah. and idiot <laughs> white boy. <You> didn't <laughs> well, E, he, But he don't count. Yeah, has yeah. yeah. got, yeah. got him. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't
2: know those people? You you wouldn't even know if I gave you those names. Bro, if I huh? told you who died, you yeah. know, King Vaughn, uh Nope. nope. Juice World. Nope. XXX I know that one. Wasn't that? Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, Yeah, he's like the. Tupac, I would say, yeah. but you know, a lot of Careful. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Everyone. we grew like, up in the 90s. AI, 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 AI. <laughs> AI, AI, my generation has a hashtag of um, XXX is the Tupac of our generation, fair so enough. So, that's kind of what if you've heard him, that's kind of probably what you know, our generation. But all these
1: artists that have died and
2: nobody really knows their name, I would be another nobody. Mm-hmm. My life wouldn't have been meaningful. I probably would have OD'd, got murdered, wanted to present more and more of this lifestyle that wasn't me. And that's that's why I got out of it. And I started, it, it was about 15 months into treatment. I started listening to, you know, Jeff and I attended one of your groups and there were a lot of things that I listened to. Impulsivity was one of them. and you guys gave me a lot of guidance that my family and my friends couldn't provide for me. Because coming here once a week or twice a week, group and individual, it was like I could actually show who I am, but the people outside of it, rappers, Gang members, drug dealers, you know, a lot of these people that I used to affiliate myself with never wanted me to succeed. Mm -hmm. And you guys gave me an outlet, even though it was, it took a lot of time and money and things that I really didn't have. But because I had to do it, I realized that I had to put this side of people on in the past and leave them there and come out a brand new man, rebirth myself. It kind of seems like, it kind of seems like, um, I mean, as I'm listening
0: to that, I mean, there's got to be, I mean, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of like, kids growing up thinking that that's going to be a good lifestyle no. and, 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 yeah. and going into that. But, like, I mean, a fraction of them, like a, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction yes. actually make it, yes. right, and, and get into that. And then, like, how many how many i don't know lives are just toast in the meantime mm. and, and you mentioned something that was kind of interesting was like the social media pressure on this right. like it, it it feeds into that because i mean uh, <laughs> i just sometimes i'll hear like what makes people famous on social media and i'm like what what why, why? Did... thing yeah yeah TikTok. like tiktok well like Bro. yeah <laughs> oh boy Ryden is uh, just lip syncing that uh what was that uh uh oh he's on a, like got as like a skateboard drinking ocean spray Yeah. And I'm uh, like, yeah, yeah. wait. He's and cool. I watched, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. But I'm like, what? What? Why does everybody give a shit about? <laughs> Billions this? of people love you now. Yeah and, yeah, and yeah. I mean, I think, and awesome for him. I mean, right. but I. But it's so weird because that secret sauce is. Mm. It, it's like an anomaly. I think it's it, it morphs every day almost. And trying to find what that is, right. and I think everybody's going for it because they see something like that. And they're like, what the fuck? This guy. This guy can just ride down the the road and <laughs> and drink ocean spray, and now he's. I'm like, well, yeah, but but I don't know why that would. I like you tell me why that was fa- why that turned famous. You know what I mean? That doesn't make any sense to me. And I think like that would put a lot of pressure on you guys. And you mentioned something that I think that was that was good for people to hear too. Was you know you never really got a good education on this stuff. No. And you know one thing I think is true to form is. Um, like, sex is kind of a, a good topic to have with kids. And I don't, oh, I mean, definitely. it's always super uncomfortable, I I, no matter what. But one thing I think is real is that when you're a kid, your first exposure to whatever the topic of conversation is, you're going to measure every exposure after that against that first one. So if my first introduction to this is, you know, I'm Jeff's dad and I'm sitting him down and having the birds and the bees conversation, uh-huh. well, that's going to, he's going to remember that. and And maybe I give it, maybe I tell it to him in a really honest and upfront manner, kind of like how you're planning on with your child, right? Then when they see something like pornography or nonsense on YouTube videos or, you know, or, I don't know, whatever whatever music video is showing off some girls, you know, right. whatever, they're going to be able to measure that against this and say, oh, yeah, my dad kind of told me this was going to happen. He kind of told mm-hmm. me this was, this was what to expect. I can see this for what it is because now I have the knowledge base. And unfortunately, I think, like if you're counting on schools to do that for you, yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> and then also, it just is so... So unfortunate that, but again, I, I like that you're pulling strength out of that because you're saying, mm-hmm. well, I learned that and I think that was a huge deficit in my life and now I'm going to pass that on and do a, a lot better job about that. Because I just, right. I mean, how things
2: could have been different about those things is astronomical. every, teenagers are going to do whatever <clears throat> they want to do, just like I did. My mom didn't allow me to do something. So what did I do? Do it times 10. <laughs> you know, she didn't want me to get my ears pierced. She finally let me get my ears pierced. I got six earrings on each each ear. You know? She didn't want me to get a tattoo, so I begged her. She finally let me get a tattoo. She said no more.
1: So I went and tatted my neck. The ear her body's covered in them, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <You
2: know? laughs> and those are things like, like you said, my kid's gonna ask me,
1: like, well
2: dad, you have tattoos and your mom has tattoos, and it's like My stipulation is, because my mom told me, no, if I would have waited, and she's like, well, when you're on your 18th birthday, I'll take you, you know, get something that's meaningful. I wouldn't have got a lot of this dumb stuff
1: on me. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the message in all aspects that I want to bring to my kid. That's going to give you so much more credibility with your kid as far as, like, actually that you're not being hypocritical. So when it does come time to talk to him about sex, him or her, you know, you're, like... You know they're not taking notes from Cardi B about, about how sex is supposed to be, you know, or whoever's, whoever the, the Cardi is 15 years from we now. We love you, Cardi B. We're just kidding. Yeah. If you're ever going to hear this. She's yeah. <laughs> just one of our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Scathing review. Yeah, exactly. Keep your wap to yourself. <laughs> Dude, uh, so as far as the treatment uh, portion of it, uh, you, you don't mind me bringing up like the some of the early struggle? No, that, go ahead. That, like like you had a really hard time with comparing yourself to the other members of the group because, you know, your offense. You know, you had a you know, um, save for her age because you know a, a teenage girl can't consent. But the, you had a it was well, just for clarity, a consensual. For clarity's sake on that, you were eighteen and she was fifteen. Fifteen. Okay, go yes, ahead. Sorry, I just graduated high school and she was still a sophomore. Yes. Okay, and and so. You you had a really hard time because you would be sitting in group with people that have, by most people's definition, more severe sexual offenses. And I remember you'd you'd come to individual session with me, frustrated. I was like, I'm not like those dudes. I can't relate to them. How am I supposed to talk in group? I don't get where they're coming from. I I, I didn't do something like that. How am I? how am I seemed to be in the same same boat as them? And Like, that was kind of one of those things that there wasn't really an answer I could give you. You kind of had to figure that out yourself. Like, what, can you take me through that? So, every time I would come in, I'd kind of think,
2: you know, I'd, I'd look at them and I'd say, that's, I'm not, I'm not like that, you know? And so when I would go into therapy and try to explain myself, I think the biggest thing, I was trying to find a way out of it. I was trying to find a way out of this terrible situation. And I think it took a bunch of... All this money that I put into this and and, or had to do it, you know, and and the laws that I had to abide by, I lived my life recklessly. So when I had to actually do it and instead of always trying to figure out a way to get out, I realized that, hey, there's something I can learn from this. Just, you know, swallow the pride. Let's say, you know, I didn't do as bad of a thing. I'm still here. And so... That's where the compare and contrast came from, and I realized that everybody has a story, but why not help another person if they're trying to help you? And you learn from it, and I think this program, because my my charge wasn't the biggest thing, I feel like, at that time, but looking at it now, I think... Even if it's as minor as, you know, you just want someone to talk to, this program can teach you everything about anything you need to know. And when when you were, like, about your charges, so
0: you said you you got felonies dropped to misdemeanors, right? Yeah. What were your original charges? Eight second-degree
2: felonies for child pornography. And that's... Explain how that happened. Yeah. So, okay, so that's...
1: The listeners what I think.
0: Because that's, that's like, when I hear hooking up with a 15-year-old girl in a church parking lot, I don't think of child pornography. Right.
2: Yeah. And so I think that, you know, that was a big part of why I acted the way I acted. Because, you know, what had happened was she had sent me one picture. Mm. And I was a little, you know a whore back then so I had multiple <laughs> pictures of other people mm-hmm. so I, when I got pulled over and because the cop had already let me go he dropped the girl off and I went home and I was all the way from Syracuse to Clinton and I got pulled over I was on my phone trying to call my buddy and I was like I got pulled over so I was figuring it was because I was on my phone so I get everything out of my car and, or my insurance and stuff. And he says, Derek, get out of the car now. And cool. I okay, I'm like, all right, what's going on? So I rolled down my window. He opens the door and pulls me out. And then he puts me against my car and pats me down. Then he puts me against his car, handcuffs me, and puts me in the car. And at this time, I don't know what's going on. So I'm wondering, and he's like, I'll tell you in a minute. I'll tell you in a minute. And he told me right before he took me. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that meantime, I had asked him because he called my parents to come pick up my car. He already decided I was going to jail. I asked him for my phone and my wallet just in case you know I wasn't going and it was already it was about to die. So I wanted him to turn it off. He said, "What's the password?" And I said one, two, three, four, which probably wasn't the smartest thing and
0: was that your actual password? That's my password. Super creative. It's
2: the easiest password <laughs> you know? and so he um, he turned my phone off. And then he takes me to the station to process me and ask me questions. And at this time, my parents have talked to me. They tell me, like, hey, understand your rights. I didn't know anything about my rights. I just wanted to be honest with him and tell him what was going on. So he put me in a room, and I was at the police station for about two hours before I got processed and booked into the Davis County Jail. And uh, when he was interviewing me, I'm an, I'm an honest guy, and I just want to be honest. And he's like, Derek, um, I'm kind of concerned. If, if Is there something in your phone that I shouldn't be worried about? Because I'm going to get a warrant, and I'm going to look through it. Or I can go out back and smash it now. He's like, just be honest with me. So I'm thinking, like, okay, just be honest with him. I tell him, yeah, I have a picture of her. He says, okay, walks out of the room. Gets a search warrant, or I gave him consent. He looked through my phone. Another officer took me in the room, into a different room. And he was talking to me, you know, kind of calming me down and stuff, and just being my friend. He comes back. The other officer that arrested me comes back in the room, and he put these papers on the table, and he says, read these. So I'm looking through them, and he says, I just want you to know you're being charged with eight second-degree felonies for child pornography for each picture I found. And so I was like... What? What? Wow! I, what do you mean? Each picture I had one, and it was in a text message. The rest were in my full photos in my folders. So he mm-hmm. we obviously went through everything. And you know, on my way to jail, I just kind of looked at it as you know what I did it. There's nothing I can do. I'm already ha- I'm here, you know. And after being in jail and getting processed, I said I need to get the hell out of here. And so for twelve hours, I was trying to get. Bell, and the one um, guard said I wasn't approved for Bell until Monday, and this happened on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. But my mother had called them, because I have medication that I have to take every day since I've been eight years old, and I think the guard was looking out for me, because it it probably would have been too much hassle to get those medications in, because it's like eight different medications. And so he actually approved the release, and then I got bailed out, and that's when all the court processing happened. Okay.
0: Can you can you imagine though? I mean, like. I know ignorance is a, isn't an excuse, right? But just, just think, like, how many, like, when we were, because imagine you just weren't in high school. Yeah. Just you were an 18-year-old senior yeah. hooking up with a sophomore. I mean, how many how many people, like, that we went to school with that are our ages, and they're like, damn, dude, when I was 18, I hooked up with someone and, like, they, they literally committed a sex offense. Like, people are like, right. holy, I didn't even know that that was. And now, with the advent of, like, text messaging and pictures and stuff like that, like, it's just so common to be like hey send a pic or whatever and you know I don't know you know girls a lot of times I think are unfortunately they're put into a position where like you know, if they like a guy, sometimes they just, the only thing they have left is to, like, you know, sh- kind of show themselves. It's like their worth sometimes, as they define themselves. Like I said, it's unfortunate, but that's sometimes how it is. And they feel like, okay, I like this guy, and, and they do that. And and what's crazy is, well, if that's the case, wouldn't she be distributing child pornography at that point? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I mean, I, now I'm not saying, that, I'm saying that, like, obviously, it, hyperbole, I'm not saying she's actually doing that, but I'm just saying, like, I, I, I I think that um, the lack of education that goes into that, Uh I think, man, kids would make way better decisions if they were like, if they knew the stakes of these things, because it got reduced, obviously, thank goodness, but holy cow, I mean, eight felonies for child pornography and like, wait, what? I was like...
2: Yeah, it it caught me off guard, because you know, I, I was just out of high school, I had no idea any legal, anything about legal laws or anything, and so coming here after taking that big hit because it took a year I think it was about nine months to a year before I actually got the conviction Mm -hmm. and got sent to Alpha Council Mm -hmm. and so being in this loop of I don't know what the heck is going on I come into this new place and I think that's where I struggled because I was just like It was a picture with my girlfriend, who's only three years younger than me, Mm -hmm. had I known that it was an actual law. Bet your ass
1: I wouldn't have been there. This is the exact type of conversation to have with your kid. <clears throat> exactly. You know, who knows how technology is going to be fast forward 15, 15 years. years. Oh, man. And, and, and
0: just to be clear for people listening, I mean, we're not, by no means, are we justifying, like, 18-year-olds hooking up with 15-year-olds. We know it's illegal, and there's a variety of reasons why that's probably not a good thing. I mean, you, I mean, you, there's a lot of arguments. Kids should be having sex till they're, like, 30 or something. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I'm just 40. saying, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that that um I'm, I'm trying to recognize that that point in time that uh, we all like to think that that that's not gonna happen to us or or when we I mean when a when a typical person listening to this podcast for the first time here is like the term you know sex offender yeah even all three of us we all had in our minds an idea of what that was right, right. we all had some picture of some yep. creep and Freddy Krueger whatever whatever the hell he looked like and then now I mean I see guys like you did Eric or guy, you know, other guys that I've worked with. I'm like, wait a minute, that's. I mean, some are, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately,
2: yeah. but most are not. Well, you know, and I, on that, you know, distinction, I'd like to clarify that. I got here with those charges, and they re- reduced the misdemeanor. So, a mm-hmm. misdemeanor A... What were the misdemeanors? A misdemeanor A for attempted dealing of materials harmful to a minor, attempting to sell them, and a that sounds like you're
1: giving guns to kids. <laughs> 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 or bombs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, attempted dealing harmful materials to a minor. Yep. Okay. And then a class B misdemeanor for unlawful
2: sexual activity with a minor. And, you know, I... Those were pretty fair charges, I mm-hmm. would say, looking at it now. But the one thing that a lot of people don't get in the situation I was in, even if they get them reduced, they have to register as a sex offender. Oh, yeah. And they have either group A or group B stipulations, which means you cannot be... In front of children without a sponsor. Or so did you, a did you not have to no. register them? I had oh, wow. group C stipulations, so mm-hmm. I got to be with my kids and my family and um, my cousins and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't be with, if I was in a relationship with someone else, I couldn't be around their kids. Mm-hmm. But that was okay because so with my family and my daughter. Um...
0: But, so you could you, you could be around children, but they had to be related to you? Yeah, related. Okay,
2: okay. Um, and no, I, I did not have to register as a sex offender. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, out of everything that had happened, those were the two things that meant, meant the most to me, because if I was a Class B and a Class A misdemeanor and still have to register and can't see my kid, I don't know if I would have made it. Did you have a private attorney? Or a public defender, Pop, private attorney. I hired okay. one. Okay, and um, in that, there you go. Yeah, in <laughs> in that time, you know, it, it was it was crazy to see how the whole court process went, but um, I still, like I said, I gotta see my kid, I gotta be with my family, and I was able to learn something out of it, and. It doesn't matter whether you have a picture of uh, your, your girlfriend who's 15 or 16 or, you know, you're with anyone of age. You, you should know how the system works, how everything mm-hmm. to protect yourself, right. mm-hmm. you know. And if it, it, the court process was so long, but looking at it now, I, I probably would have approached it different. Because at that time, I was just so confused and I had no idea. Hey, if you had a do-over, what would you have done differently from arrest to conviction? What might you have done differently? Stayed at my parents' house and listened to their rules. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stay at my parents' house. No, I honestly, I would have just, you said if I didn't get arrested? No, from, uh, from the point of arrest to conviction, what would you have done differently? Presented myself better. Okay. What way? Um, as we were talking, I had an image to uphold. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had dermal piercings, mm-hmm. two face piercings. Oh, yeah. I had earrings, and two of the court meetings, I had dreadlocks. And even though I still dressed, you know, wear slacks, a shirt, and a tie, being a, a, a man of color and going in like that, I mean, it probably wasn't the best thing. What mm. I would have done is clean cut, bought a nice suit, and... I probably would have talked more to my attorney about what what we could do to, like, because he kept me out of the loop. Mm-hmm. He didn't tell me anything. I just went in every time. He would go meet with people, and then I'd say, it's, it's extended, it's extended. And that went on for nine months. And yeah. so I just didn't know, and then finally I got my conviction, and I didn't know if I was going to jail that day or if I was going to get sent home. And so... You know, I, I definitely would have worked harder with my attorney or not have done it at all or, and definitely um, upheld a better image. Mm. But it kind of, it
0: seems like guys males have the card stacked against them when they come to court anyway i mean and not for bad reasons either yeah. like i'm not like if you think about but i but it's it's good to have that in mind like if i'm if i'm and when i say not for bad reasons like if i look at crime statistics dude, guys commit all the crimes yeah, all of them like every single yeah. one of them like i was looking at um like sex offenses dudes are 99% of the sex offenses murders it's like 87% like mm-hmm. i mean names the last female mass shooter. The, no, okay, there aren't any. Yeah, super, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go,
1: Bonnie. <laughs> yeah, Bonnie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so, I mean, like, I think the cards are stacked against us in that um, I think males are looked at as being less able to be rehabilitated. I think that, and, you know. and not to mention, our recidivism rates are horrible. Pretty bad, yeah. I mean, yeah. guys, dudes who end up in the system and or go to prison, their recidivism rates are dog shit. Oh, when yeah. it comes to females, they do really... Really well, girls are much more like able to go into treatment and and do it well and not come back in. And so, but but I think that puts us at a deficit going into it. And I and I'm, I'm grateful for knowing that if I ever come under the crosshairs, you know, perish the thought of of the criminal justice system, because I'm going to know the cards are stacked against me. Right. And and I'm going to be. Able, I think you're right. Like presenting myself in the best way possible, putting my best foot forward. That's something that that everybody should take into account. And even even while you're on probation, right. I think the, you have small opportunities with with you know your PO or judges or, or whomever you work with that you can show like in these fractions minutes of times that no no no, i'm you know i am a standout compared to other guys i'm not just going to be this guy and and we have a whole lot of room for improvement because other people have an idea of what this is going to be like and when we show them different it's like ooh, wow you know
2: so that's another thing i want to talk about is the probation aspect of aside from my offense so um Being on probation, first time ever, I had no idea what what to expect. Um, I went in and I got my first probation officer and I was with him for three months. And from day one, he put me on a 7 p.m. restriction schedule, I had to be home. And I couldn't leave my house, because I work graveyard, so I'd get home at seven and I couldn't leave until 7 p.m. to go to work. And that was it. And also he he checked on my house a few times a week, drug testing me, which is, you know, that was part of my stipulations. But I ended up moving, and I got a new PO in um, Davis County, Mm -hmm. and he was a big football player, and, you know, we really connected, and then I moved again a few months later and had to go back to Ogden, APP. and the probation officer that I had gotten was everyone... He has a reputation from everyone else, but that was not my experience. My experience, because at that point, 15 months in, talking to Jeff and kind of figuring out how to, you know, be what I'm supposed to be right now, I think I had a great experience with him because he, he'd come over to my house, we'd chat for 45 minutes, um, he, he even if he didn't check in or check my house, he'd leave a card and say, hey, call me call him, he say, all right, you want to meet this time? It was always like kind of like a, I wouldn't say like friends, but very good acquaintances. Sybil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I even sent him an invite to my wedding. I wanted him there because he was so like good to me. And I think if it, having him and the image that everyone else said he upheld, mm-hmm. I related to that because that was the image I had from it, from everyone else in treatment. Yeah. And aside and I I decided, you know, that's not what I want to think. Everyone thought this about my probation officer and he didn't think any of that about me. He may have been that way to them, but because going to court and I had it not the best image and I held
1: up a better image when meeting him, it turned out better for me. I love that you brought that up, man. One thing we talk about with clients and probably at some point with you, we talk about that Okay, maybe you don't prefer... To spend your time with your probation officer. Like, it's not your first choice of who you want to hang out with, but it's an important relationship, though. And if you recognize that (laughs) this person that I I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If, If you recognize that it's important. And also, you remember that oh, it's just a person. Right. You can you just you, like I said, you'd have like a forty-five minute conversation. You, in other words, you humanized yourself to him. You didn't act like a sketchy convict. Right. This kind of trying to like only tell him so much. You, you, I mean, you're a pretty charismatic dude, you know, and you just yeah. probably were yourself. And yeah, and I know I know the probation officer you're referring to. And yeah, like. He is really cool to people that do what they're supposed to do and talk to him like just a normal so, person, man. Yeah, like you said, he treated me
2: the, a, a really good way. And at that time, being with you and you kind, you both kind of giving me guidance, I think I could have a... That's why I had the relationship with him. Because I wasn't what he was my probation officer for. I wasn't that guy anymore. Again, trying to live an image and be something that... He's a probation officer for, you know Oh, this guy did
1: this I'm your probation officer, you're not going to do that anymore I didn't do it from the start mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're always really gracious to You know, give me credit for giving you guidance But it really was you, bro If I didn't have this Or do I don't think I would have found that
2: oh. I think this gave me the push to be What I was supposed to be
0: what kind of... I mean, essentially all we're ever asking clients to do is do the exact same thing that they want done to them. I mean, you... it all. So, well, so here's the thing. Like, you don't... Well, you don't want... Um, you don't want your conviction to be looked through the prism of the general idea of what a sex right. offender is in our minds, right? Yep. And and like you were saying, you know, you didn't feel like you were like other clients. And, and you're not. And they're not like you. And they're not like the other guy. I mean, everybody's case is very individualized. And there's a lot of reasons why those cases happen. I mean, that's kind of a, a really hardcore exercise in empathy mm-hmm. that I sometimes get my students to think about. And I also get other parents to think about, and they're really resistant to parents, other therapists to think about, and I they're really resistant to this, though. And I say, Okay, so I think I say, Think about a scenario like where committing a sexual offense makes sense to you, like, just just try to There's think about this. Everybody's like, I, I would never, and I'm like, Okay, I, I was. I think about, like, two years before your offense. I'm sure you, there was... No. Being committed of a sex offense was not even in your radar. It wasn't even in your solar system. I wasn't thinking, I'm going to go out and have sex with a minor. Right. So that's what I'm saying. I say, okay, I understand you're saying that right now. But the time that one of my clients never had that in their, in their, in their universe to the time they were convicted sometimes is a, a tiny yeah. little bit of time. And so I'm not saying you're going to. I'm saying try to think about a circumstance in which that would make sense in your mind because we're saying all of our clients they weren't psychotic when this happened it made sense to what they were doing at the time I mean I'm not justifying it I'm just saying there's context to that there was there was a logical thought process behind that it may have been misguided okay fine they may not have had all the information necessary to make the right decision fine they may have been making a illegal decision and aware of it okay too but think about that and People have a hard time getting that. And I'm like, okay, the fact that you're having a hard time generating that, like right now, if I asked you, like, when would you steal something? Oh, when my family needs food. Okay, really easy. Like, I can, I can, right. but you're asking a really, so let's just face it. I, I don't want to strain anybody's brain anymore and put you in an uncomfortable situation. Let's just all admit that that's a really uncomfortable and complex decision, and don't minimize it to he's just some deviant pervert, because that's just too simplistic of what's happening. Yes. It's also not going to help those dudes. So, so that's where, regardless of how severe the offense was and the, the extent of the offenses, I say, man, that guy's got a story, and I don't know how, like, I'm saying that the constellation of events that led to that offense, mm-hmm. it's not crucial to the point where we're going to hold him accountable, and by God, he better tell it to the, to the nth degree and it better be exactly in line with his PSI. But I, you know, I think him recognizing that getting to that point was a series of events and it wasn't just one major decision right. is really important for his treatment forward because that's what treatment becomes. It's a series of good decisions along the way that get me to the point where now I'm fully functional, like where you are now. And that's
2: exactly why I'm, I'm open about it. About it. People ask me, I can tell them the full story and not feel any shame about it. Mm -hmm. While I was in treatment, I didn't want anybody to know. Mm -hmm. Graduating, it made me... I want to help people prevent this situation that I was in. Prevent, you know, you 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 start doing drugs. I want to be that guy to say, you know, you know, it could take you this place. It could take you over here. I mean, you, there's no happy endings in doing anything that attracts
1: negativity. And what, what would you, like, what advice would you give clients, current clients that might be listening to this, that that helped you? Gonna turn that corner and and uh, finish strong like you did.
2: I would let them know it's it's not the end of the world. No matter how old you are, you still got a full life to live, and it may be rough and you may not want to do it, but you're not gonna do it forever. And your life's far from over. You can you get through it. And from my experience, if I had someone who would you know kind of guide me in a way that. Like hey, it's okay. It's okay. You're gonna get through this. You know, don't think of it. Think of what's after it. I think I would have instantly gotten better, um, seeked more help, and understood but if i had you know any advice is to just get through it learn something from it so think you, of it as, as school
1: think of it as something you can teach somebody else something that has an end yeah. date to it mm-hmm. if you work hard so cuz <clears throat> like, that that's kind of i think what's really hard for clients is they feel like there is no light at the end of the tunnel no and you you, you thought that way at one point in time so i i i appreciate the advice you've got so with that one no light at the end of the tunnel. I I didn't
2: think there was. I mean, the first 15 months, right? And so I'd like to say, now I'm married. I have two beautiful children and another one on the way. I bought a house. And the other thing that's going to sound completely crazy, I after being in treatment and uh, probation for... probation for three years and treatment for four years, I actually applied to be uh, to the police academy, and I actually got accepted to be a police officer because my probation officer gave me inspiration and the way he treated me, I wanted to be that change for other people. So that ended up going through that. Yeah, so I actually got accepted, and I had a job, I got interviewed, I got hired, but then a week after i got hired, covid happened so they couldn't afford to put me through it was they couldn't afford to pay me cuz so was, that's still not
0: a done deal then no, like you but but it's not like you're because of your history that you're completely
2: no, so exempt no the ad post of utah actually accepted me even with the background that i nice had. and wow i got a <clears throat> job at weaver state university
1: for the for their police department, but then COVID came and it uh, they voided my sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm so glad you brought up the police department thing. Like, because you, you you have a lot of respect for law enforcement. It's, inter- it's interesting to see because like not a lot of clients coming through have the attitude towards law enforcement to the point that they actually want to become one. Right. You know, and I, I know you talked about, and I don't know if you want to talk about that, but when when you were, I do. Okay, good. Like what is the reason that you feel like you want to be a cop the reason
2: i love doing things for my community you've seen it one of my videos i went to 33rd street and bought a whole bunch of pizza for the homeless and water and handing them out um i really want to be in touch with my community i think it's good for police departments to have um officers of color um, i think it it would help the community cities, states, it would, it would bring um, police brutality down, um, violence on citizens. I mean, I think that there's a lot that could be done just by one person. And my respect for police officers, I wasn't always respectful because of what I went through and the way I got treated, but I realized that I wanna be different than that one. I don't, I if, if, if I'm ever in the same situation becoming a police officer and if I pulled someone over for the exact same thing or something similar that I got charged with, I would have a verbal conversation. I would I still have the job to do but I would let him know like I'm gonna work with you the best I can as long as you work with me but you know the, there's there's so much there's ways to prevent this and I don't want my I don't want the guy to feel like his life is over like mindless and i think being a police officer there's there's so much more than just ah, high-paying job shooting guys or you know getting criminals i think it's there needs to be more of a community outreach so you
0: weren't getting into it for like the training day aspect
2: uh, <laughs> yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people get into it for the gear for the women you know because everybody loves police officers but The biggest thing that I looked into it, and I even asked my probation officer to help me figure out how to apply to post, and he helped me, and the biggest reason why I wanted to do it was because of that. I wanted to be different, but I wanted to work for a smaller department. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to work for a department that had over 600,000, 700,000 officers. I wanted to do something small, and that's why I chose Weber State University, because the community is very diverse there. I'd say about 35, 40% of the community is ethnic, diverse. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like it would be good to see an uh, officer of color and I could, along with doing my daily tasks, whatever they had me doing, I could uh, uh, over, like, I wouldn't say overachieve, but
1: definitely reach out to the university, the people on campus and make more of an effort. Like it says a lot to your character that in the in today's climate, as far as it goes with like police officers and all the you know the stuff with, with like race relations, right. that you you identify a problem, but rather than saying like either to you know shut down the police department or whatever, you're like I'm gonna become one and lead by example. Like that's a exactly. badass dude. Seriously, it's super. Respectful. There's gonna be
2: problems any job you work at. There's gonna be racism, there's gonna be violence, any anyway. Yeah, there's dicks everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow is never promised, so I wanna be the best I can be every day. And I think having a career in law enforcement <clears throat> would um, definitely exceed the best I could be. And that's why I still wanna be yeah. I respect police officers. That's super cool because I was kind of thinking about that
0: as you were talking and, and I mean I can't imagine that I mean being black that like you're not aware of, of some of the like defund the police type things and, and, yeah. and, and I think people have are very passionate about this and maybe for good reasons right the problem is, is it, it almost goes back to like when we're looking at problem solving methods I mean I think to some degree and it, it's it's there, there's like and I've listened to a lot of podcasts and the problem is well you yeah, yeah, there's there's shitty and corrupt cops I mean uh, but yeah, and right. again look this is not an attack on cops there's like, like I said there's assholes everywhere mm-hmm. in every every field of work no matter what there is shitty and corrupt therapists right exactly <laughs> oh, God. More, that's like a 90% time yeah. um, but but the idea there is I like what you're saying because it's not just like if I'm looking at a problem one of the things we talk about is we well, don't just talk about the problem you have a problem and you have a goal right mm-hmm. so the Problem. If I just, if I, this is where people fall short, they just bring out the problem. Mm-hmm. And then they're, they're basically the way that they solve that is get rid of the problem, yep. defund the police. But you're saying, mm, okay, there is a problem. And, but my goal is I want to make that better. We all, we all recognize that that's an institution we just need to have. Yep. And we really appreciate it when it's working for us. And we don't appreciate it when it's working against us or it's yeah. being unfair or it's being corrupt or, or whatever. You know, there's so many examples, but, but you're saying, well, what little I can do, I do want to make it better. Like right. I think that's that's awesome to that if, people. If people put in a hundred and ten
2: percent. That ten percent can go a lot farther than putting in a hundred percent. If everyone does it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No. Yeah. And I've never been one to wanna reach out to people to help them until everything in my adult life happened, and it made me realize that. Anyone can help anybody just by talking. Five-minute conversation, you could change someone's whole life. You're right. And so that's kind of
1: where the whole process of who I want to be, who I need to be, and who I am going to be come from. You know, I, I know you've got a heart out to get get across town to pick up your kids or whatever. Is, is there anything you want to kind of leave us with or close us out with? Um.
2: Yeah, I, I you know, I, I appreciate being there and being able to hop on a podcast. I was a little nervous at first, just first time jitters, but you know, I just want people to listen to my story and understand that, you know, things happen and if you can prevent them and look at, you know, what you what you could have in the future and what you want to have, that can change your whole perspective on what you're doing right in the moment. I would say think about your future, think about you know what you want for yourself, what you want for the people around you, and kind of execute your plans from there. And always have a goal, but make sure you have a plan at the end of it. Awesome great, great. To close by. yeah
0: a good place to stop right there so well thanks a lot for coming in Derek thanks we really appreciate you man yeah okay you'll have to have you'll have to have you back sometime huh
2: yeah I would love to come back yeah. just text me I'll be ready this was beautiful a really great experience and I hope people and I want to hear it obviously with yeah my wife but I want people to just kind of listen to what I said and you know next time I'm back I won't mumble my words as much No, <laughs>
1: he done a great dude. yeah thanks appreciate for coming it
2: and
0: thanks for listening to the gorilla social work podcast with your hosts jeff moore and mace warren we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all things related to forensic psychotherapy as always you can head over to utahsbesttherapy.com to check out our program and check out all the links and resources in the show notes you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and wherever you prefer to get your listener fix. Please share this episode with your family and friends, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating, which really helps us out. You guys are awesome. We'd like to stay and chat longer, but we're lying. Good night. Good night.